Get down and get the abuse president, man. Let me tell you. Listen. Listen to this. Well, I'm not a big politician. Hell, I don't want to be. Why, I wouldn't be the president if the whole world voted for me. Or what they say, I'd have to get permission to be alone to think. Tease my cognac before I could take a drink. No, no, <laughs> New Thing Thursday edition of Ball Don't Lie. Was that Cat Williams? Is <laughs> it Johnny Guitar Watson, man? He sounded just like Cat Williams right there, especially when he was talking about my cognac. Yeah, you know, you don't want to be president because you have to say someone else would have to tip, taste his cognac before you take a drink. Exactly. I love that right there. He sounds just like Cat Williams. My man Patrick Davis has done a great job getting us with the new theme today. President's Day was on Monday, and that has been the theme of this Thursday. You can follow him on Twitter at It's Patrick Davis. I'm Harbaugh Harge. You can follow me at Harbaugh Harge. And our man Rob Babers, who's out today, but you can still check and see what he's doing, and you can hit him up at Rob Babers. Special thanks to my man Chip Brown, Chip Brown 247 on Twitter, for coming in and uh, sitting with us today and breaking us down with some of his knowledge on the Texas Athletic Program. He had a great conversation with CDC Chris Del Conte the other day. So get over to the uh, the podcast for them at Horns 24-7 and go to their podcast page and YouTube. You can see the whole thing. Uh, Patrick, you know, the biggest story this year, and we've all been talking about it, and we're going to continue to talk about it because the man is just playing some good basketball all the way around, has been the development and the pump fake of Sir Jabari Rice and how effective it has been the entire time. Now, we knew that he was a good basketball player when he came here. He came in from New Mexico State, came in on the transfer portal, older player, great pool by the staff over at the University of Texas. They also brought in Tyrese Hunter from the transfer portal, and they've been a good uh, additions to this team. Uh, wouldn't you say they've all been? Yeah, yeah. they've had their moments. No, all I, of them I, have. I mean, we saw Serge Barry Rice when he first came in. We saw him do a lot of things. And we're like, man, he's a really good glue guy, right? Right. And and the pump fake. I know me and Eddie Orr would be sitting courtside doing the games, and we would poke each other in the ribs when he do the pump <laughs> fake because it was at first point. And I came in, I talked to Eddie. I was like, what's your favorite part of his game? He's like, the pump fake. Like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. It's yeah. the best pump fake around. And then about halfway through this season. He showed you the other part that he's been just setting us up the entire season. Yep. Oh, I'm a pump fake all the time. Now they're not jumping. So now they're not jumping as much because they're told to stay down. So when they don't jump, they don't even put their hands up. Because they put their hands up, that makes them want to jump. So they come in with their hands low, and he just shoots right over the top of them. Right. And he has been hitting it so consistently. Yeah, it's been an amazing thing to watch. And the one thing that I've always thought about when I first saw the pump fake, a lot of people can look at it and say it was a travel, right? Most of the time, referees would blow the whistle because they hadn't seen it. Yeah. So I'm wondering if there was a conversation prior to games at the early in the season. Uh, did Coach Beard mention it to the officials during the official meetings saying, hey, you need to make sure that you stay with him because he has this pump fake that he uses where he gets all – I mean, he gets as close as you can get he gets one foot off the ground. Exactly. Because he, he just keeps, keeps his pivot foot down, but exactly. he actually gets his second foot off the ground on that pump fake. But, yeah, I think there's something where, I mean, you can say beforehand, you can call the, the competition committee and basically be like, hey, so one of our players does this thing. 
We just want to make sure you're aware of it, so have your refs watch the video beforehand right. so you know it and you can watch for it if it's a travel. We trust him enough that we think he can do it without traveling, but you can watch out for it because they – like. We saw that with Brock Cunningham for for a couple of years, right? Where he was getting everything was a foul because the refs were told ahead of time. They watched film on him and they went, "Oh, he does this like clear out a lot." So we're gonna watch for it. And now every player does it. Brock was just doing a little bit more, yeah. and he would always he get was called before for his it. time. Yeah, and so we like you can call the rules committee and basically get those things ahead of time so people know, "Hey, man, don't don't blow it for us." Right, he, right. he has this move, but it's legal. Right. And that's a beautiful thing because the way he goes about it and the way the team works together is uh, huge. This weekend they have a big matchup against the Baylor Bears. They're they're headed in the right direction. They're doing things as a team that we've expected from them. This past week against Iowa State, that was an electric atmosphere. There was home cooking. They battled. They had a tough battle against Oklahoma. Now they've got to travel to uh, to Waco right up the road, 1 o'clock at the Farrell Center this Saturday. It is important for this team to go out there and deliver the first blow. We've seen it go back and forth, right? We've seen them where they've started slow and they've had to battle back. We've seen them where they came out just in this game against Iowa State. They left from start to finish and they never looked back. What is the expectations heading into this game? We know they got their bi- their big player, George, who has been outstanding. What are you going to do to stop him? So the first matchup between the two, they balled an item. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, Tyrese Hunter did a really good job of it. Jabari Rice did it for a bit. Uh, Marcus Carvey did a little bit. But it was you're, – you're, and Timmy Allen did a little bit. They, you have to take time to do it. But you're basically rotating, switching everything they can do to try and get him open. You are – completely cutting off any ability for him to catch a ball. Right. So he can't even be involved in the offense. Because they did that in the first meeting, you know that at home they are going to try and get him involved in this offense. He's going to want to go. I mean, that game, there was as many scouts as you will ever see at a Texas basketball game when uh, when Baylor came to town. Yep. I mean, much Chup- Cupcheck, the GM for the Hornets. I saw him walk it. So you knew GMs were even in the building, right? Right. So – I don't think he wants to get shown up twice, and you know there will be scouts in the building there because of what they were able to do to him the first time defensively. So I think he is going to try and have a big game, and you're going to have to limit him. But the problem is when you start to go to him, that's when Cryer uh, and Flagler yep. start to all of a sudden light it up. And so if you overcommit too many resources to George, so if you can't, if it's not one guy – Cryer and Flagler can light you up. Yes, they can. And so that's going to be the problem is all those guards. I know I mentioned Flo Thamba last time. He had a terrible game against Texas. Yes. Afterwards, I told people that was like when your mom says, I have Mo Bamba at home. <laughs> it's Flo Thamba. <laughs> yeah. That was uh, – so – but he is still the type of guy who can hurt the Longhorns. So we will see if they try to use him more, try and put him in a situation to win. Texas did an amazing job against him last time. So I'm not as worried about him this time. He's still a thought you have to prepare for. But right now, Keontae George, yeah. he's going to be pissed off. Yeah, he, he still had like 17 points against him last time. He did, time. but that was because – and I mean, you remember, he took that yeah. shot at the end of the game from five feet from, <laughs> yeah. from the half-court line <laughs> yeah. to try and hit the game winner against Texas. And Texas ends up winning that game. He's going to come out and really want to – Get right. like show that he can play against a tough defense that is singling him out. So hopefully we'll be able to contain him enough, and then 
in the process of containing him, not have uh, Cryer and Flagler just start nailing threes on top of us and getting us down in that hole because Texas has shown they can fight back, but that is not the team you want to do it against is Baylor. No, you can't do that, especially on the road against a team like that. And they, too, are pretty pissed off because of the way that they performed here the last time that they played against Texas. They didn't have their best game at that time either. So do you? Oh, still, and they just lost to Kansas State. And they just lost to Kansas who State. Who is their former coach? Yeah, came back in and beat them at Kansas State. So they are and coming danced, off and danced after they won. And they lost the game before that to Kansas. Yeah. So they're coming off two straight losses, a thing that Texas has not done this season. Correct. And they are going to be looking for blood against Texas. It's it's going to be rough. The crowd is going to be going crazy. But you're going to have to get performances from everyone on that team. Yep. We talked yesterday about, you know, you're going to need to get three out of five guys that are kind of the extra guys going. Everyone's going to need to play, right? Yeah. This is all hands on deck. Tyrese Hunter, he had his best game of the season probably last game against Iowa State. I know now you're back on the road. Now you're not going against your former team. But, man, you need to come back and step up and at least play that shutdown defense you did on Keontae George. And if you can hit some of those threes when they leave you open and break apart their zones and break apart their defenses by hitting threes, yep. Texas shoots threes. I mean, you're not going to shoot as well as you did against uh, Iowa State because they were shooting, what, above 50%. Oh, for sure. But if you can shoot you know, closer to 40% on threes as opposed to the 20% that really gets them in trouble, like you need to shoot over 30% to try and get that 35 40%, and you have a real shot to beat this Baylor team. No doubt. And I sit here and look at it. The game will be on ESPN, so it'll be on national as well, uh, radio. But most importantly, you can hear it all right here on 104.9, the horn with our man. Is Craig Way going to be able to do the game with Texas playing baseball? He's going to go to – He's definitely going to be at the basketball yeah, game, Yeah, because right? it's only in Waco, so it's yeah, a drive. It's a drive. The drive's him. much easier. It's when yeah. you got to go to Iowa. <laughs> okay, those are harder ones. But, yes, he, you know, he's going to be doing the game, I believe, uh, Friday for baseball, and he'll do Saturday for basketball. And, hey, I mean, he may try and drive back. Who knows? That Craig definitely Way is a sounds crazy like man. something what Craig would do, <laughs> for sure. And they're going to be – it's going to be a big test for them. Baylor was sitting at number nine, possibly number ten at some of the – the polls. That's why ESPN is playing this one as their national game, and it's going to be fun. But when you look at going back to Serge Jabari Rice and his performance with this team and what he brings to this team, what do you think his biggest attribute has been as a whole? When you watch him, we know how good he is with the pump fake. We know how good he's been shooting the ball. You brought up the fact that he had to play some defense on George Keontae George last time they were here. What do you think his biggest attribute has been to this team thus far? I mean, I'm going to try and find the way to phrase it, but it's his fire, and it's that resiliency, that underdog ability that he wasn't recruited, and he's proved everybody wrong. Kid but from it's Houston. that keeping that fire going of like, no, I am going to continue to prove everybody wrong. Right. And a team that's gone through the adversity they have this year, you have guys like Timmy Allen and Marcus Carr who can be underdogs and have had stories in their life and everything else where they can play it, but they've also had enough success – that it's maybe at points they lose that edge because they're like, oh, no, I'm supposed to be that good. Right. And Jabari Rice came to Texas, and he's not even a starter. Right. So he, he understood his role coming in. But he knows, but he goes, I can go in there and prove, hey, I just got said I was the MVP of this team that well, I wasn't even good enough to be a starter on right. at the beginning of the season. So I think he's given them that mentality. If he's the first one that at the Moody Center is getting the crowd pumped up and getting them back in the game, 
He's the one that when he hits a big three, he lets everybody know he hit a big three. Right. And he just brings that fire that you need. I uh, like, and I'm his old reference, but Mario Eli on the Spurs in '99, oh, yeah. that toughness and that fire of like, no, man, you can't. We can't be smiling all the like. We can smile when we're up twenty, right? But we can't be having fun when we're in a tight game. We can't be like, no, we, this is war. And right. he has that mentality, and I, I think it's a great asset for this team. And I think it's important too that what you said about the the leadership part of him coming out there and that fire, getting the crowd involved yeah. in the game. And this is a guy that is not originally from or originally coming to Texas. Yeah. This is a guy that not Brock Cunningham who was coming here no matter what was going on. And and you start to look and you say, all right, this guy gets it. This guy gets what it is. No, I mean he's the said, energy that's there. He said in his uh one of the first games of the season here, uh he did the post game interview with Craig and he was like, I, like this is nothing. Like this feels like an NBA game. Right. Like he was like, this feels like a and so he's fed off of that because he came from a New Mexico State team that had so much dysfunction in it right. that they're not even playing this season. Correct. They they had to forfeit the rest of their season. Right. So he came from that where you don't necessarily have the fan base, you're not packing out the arena and everything, to a Moody Center that, I mean, he didn't know the Frank Irwin Center, but it's a huge night and day difference. And then you've got to talk about a team that is really banding together because of what they went through this year and atop the Big 12. Right. Everything's going right, and that's what I say is someone who can know how to keep that fire going and still be the one who was putting up 20 points even in some games we lost, he was still playing well. Right. You need that guy to round one of the tournament, be excited to be in the tournament, not not content that they're you know a good seed in the tournament, right. excited to be there, excited for every game, excited to go to Baylor and see all those NBA scouts and go, oh, oh y'all, yeah. y'all came in for Keontae George? Write down my name. Check me out. How you like me now? Yeah. Yeah, he continued to play some great basketball. And as you look at what he does in the uh, Big 12 Conference, I believe he's averaging, what, 13 points a game in conference play and 13.7 right behind Marcus Carr, 16.7 points, and Timmy Allen at 11.9 points per game. But he's also shooting 40% from threes, 27 of 67 from the three-point line. So, And he's shooting 89%. From the free throw line in conference. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what you want. And, that's the clutchness yes, that you need to close it out. And the numbers are ridiculous. Yeah, he's that guy that you always want to have the ball in his hand at the beginning of the game. And I know a lot of people keep wanting to put him in the starting lineup. He's getting starter minutes. Yeah, I mean, Manu Ginobili didn't play as a starter. I think he, it works better in the fact that he can be more of the offense when he comes in yep. and be the spark plug you need. Of You have those sluggish starts, and then you're able to go, okay, we're able to hold in the games. And we bring him in, and it's a different atmosphere. I wouldn't change it because it's worked far uh, well enough for you this season. So I don't think you touch that part of it. Yep. I, I get, you know, man, well, what could happen if we put him in there more? He's also like one of the things you're gonna know is he is not a big guy. Yep. He is a he is a slight guy. So he's you, very slim. So you don't necessarily <laughs> want to give him more and more and more minutes because at a certain point that body is going to have issues holding up. Yep. So as what he's doing right now, he is able to play at a very high level for every minute he is in the game. Yep. And if you can keep it right there, you maybe have to push a little bit more in some of these, maybe against Kansas, maybe in a Big 12 tournament game, maybe in, an, in the NCAA tournament. But right now, I don't think you need to push him anymore in those minutes. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. What have you thought about Dylan D'Souza, uh, 
playing time and where he's starting to get so much better and seems to be getting healthier. I think that's the biggest part because there were times where you were still trying to figure out if he was injured. Remember at the beginning of the year when he was limping around and you you said that he had the sleeve on and yeah. everything? What do you think has happened with him as he's been able to – to play a little bit more and feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, the minutes he is being, he's giving, he is playing really well. Uh, he's he's been one of the few guys that consistently has fought for rebounds mm-hmm. and and really put a, a huge effort of on both ends of the court. Part of that though is he does get into foul trouble a lot, and you know it. He's it, what's weird is he changed it. He was one of those guys that was really good about not getting into foul trouble, but then would pick up dumb fouls. Yeah. 30 feet away from the basket. And like yeah, at guard, yeah. guard to guard on a three-pointer, would stick his hand in and hit him in the chest. <laughs> and would just pick up dumb fouls like that, and it would be his second or his third foul, and he'd have to go sit down. Yeah. He's not doing that as much anymore, but like he'll do the one now where he'll – he got a foul in this last game where he ran out and he's screening the screener, or he's screening the, the three-point shot, right? And he gets called for a somewhat bogus blocking foul uh, on that one, or it's a they call an offensive foul – that it's an illegal screen, which it really wasn't, but they called it that way, right? Right, right. And he gets called for, like, one of those a game now. So he'll get into that second foul quickly or that third foul too quickly, and he hasn't been able to stay on the court. And, I mean, we see with Christian Bishop there, they're not really – you can't really play Christian Bishop and Dylan DeSue together a whole lot. You may have to if you get further in this tournament and you start playing a team that has a couple more big guys. But for the most part, you want to keep your three guards on the court. And if you have the three guards on the court, then you don't necessarily want to have three small guys and then two big guys and no one in the middle. Right. So, I mean, I like what he's been able to do. I think he has definitely improved a lot. Uh, but if he could stay on the court and start to feel a little bit hotter at points, then it could be he could have a bigger impact. And he's definitely one of those guys that you watch and you go, you feel like one of these games coming up, He's going to have that huge game. Yeah, and I can't wait for it to happen because you know it's going to happen because of his track record and what he was before. So I'm excited for that. Uh, One more player that I wanted to ask you about is Timmy Allen. We've all been talking about him, Timmy Tourniquet. Is he going to be able to to extend some of these plays and be that leader? I saw him do an interview today because they had a media availability, and he was talking about the fact of all the other guys where he's not thirsty, he wants everybody to have theirs and, and get their shine. And he spoke very, very highly of what Brock Cunningham has able been able to bring. We talked about the numbers ye- yesterday for Brock, but what about Timmy Allen and how important is his role going to be down the stretch? Yeah, I mean, his role, it's, it's always super important because he is the guy that will get left – open or right. not even left open but he won't they won't give an extra emphasis on him right so he's gonna have to be able to go in and if not score himself create the offense when they're really trying to take Marcus Carr out of the game and when they try and go over and keep Jabari Rice out of the game and if Tyrese Hunter hasn't been hitting who are they gonna they're, they're gonna play one-on-one against Timmy Allen and he's good enough to beat those one-on-ones right so I think his is just trying to figure out that middle ground between trying to be unselfish and trying to win his shot is the better shot. Yeah. Because you can be unselfish all day, but if you're going to throw it down to Christian Bishop, who's then going to look to pass it to Dylan DeSue, and then Dylan DeSue is going to look to pass it, and you are like you just get to too many passes in the paint, and then all of a sudden it gets kicked back out again. Right. 
you go, no, no, Timmy, that was you. You you had a pretty wide open 17-footer, and you can hit that all day long. Right. So I think he just needs to figure out that part of it where it's just, I get you want to be unselfish. I get you want to find the great shot. But when you have the good shot, take it. Yeah, and knock it down. Because he is deadly in that right. mid-range. Yeah, he's always in that area. So let's let's do this. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA and what the expectations are in this second half of the season. Well, I can't even call it the second half of the season. I think they only got like 25 home games. Stretch, like yeah, home stretch. The home stretch of the season. I want to talk about your Spurs and tanking for the number one num- uh, overall pick. But I think uh, – the Houston Rockets are trying to tank for that number one and overall they, they pick. Are too. Hey, but hey, we got Dallas and San Antonio tonight. So that means that you're probably going to get that loss for you. That's what you're hoping for. I can't wait for that and get some more information for you on this basketball team, uh, your Spurs, and what's going to happen in the NBA. And I want to get your pick to win it all when we hit this home stretch. Right here on Ball Don't Lie on 104.9 The Horn. Like that right there. New theme Thursday. It was President's Day on Monday. So the theme has been all songs that have something to do with the president. And who is this one? Man, you got to play some Vallejo. Vallejo oh, is a song yeah. just about presidents. There one of their is. bigger songs. So. I love it. I'm going to play it. my boys in Vallejo. I was going to say, that sounded a little bit like AJ right there yes, screaming at us. <laughs> so AJ Vallejo talking about presidents as always. <laughs> So, Patrick, uh, the NBA starts back up after the All-Star break this past weekend. Now they're back on the hardwood. Uh, The Denver Nuggets will play the Cleveland Cavaliers, Boston, Indiana, Detroit, Orlando, Memphis, uh, Philly. They're about to tip off right now. But the game that we're going to be talking about right now is your San Antonio Spurs travel up to Dallas and uh, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic versus whoever you want to tell me is on the <laughs> San Antonio well, the Spurs, Spurs have a decent team. The Spurs, they do have a decent team, but are they really going out there to play? Do they play hard when they play the in-state game and, and you know deal with the victory or the loss there, or do they just go right at them? So San Antonio basically this whole year has been a team that's played pretty well for three quarters. And at the end, cannot close out games. Yep. Which they're not trying to really, but it's at the same part, you know, they have a lot of good young talent. So they're, they get this around. This is rodeo road trip time, right? Yes. So yeah. they have been yeah. on the rodeo road trip for a little while right now. Yep. But this is when, you know, ease back into going back out after All Star weekend. One of the few times that Spurs didn't have an All Star. It's, you know, it's, we That's used to really always have one, ca- yeah, but not I, anymore. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Your boy played, though. Sohan played in uh, – Jeremy Sohan played. Uh, he is listed as day-to-day still. Okay. Uh, he's been dealing with, I believe, a shoulder injury. But uh, he. But we'll see if they come back. If Sohan plays tonight, it was Sumi Wood. Uh, but Devin Vassell is still out. He's supposed to be coming back soon. Keldon Johnson, of course, is the guy who is leading. He got uh, paid uh, during this season as well. Yeah. They're a fun team to watch for the three quarters. And then they get beat out, and like you see, is Kyrie it okay and, for that? Yeah, because you yeah. want to lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's the thing, though, is you want to play like that because we can talk about the Rockets and their 
unwatchable basketball. So right. while San Antonio is not, you know, you're not necessarily watching great basketball. I the one game I went to this season, they beat the Nets. Yep, so I did yep, get to yep. see a W there. Uh but yeah, they're they're you know, they have some holes on their roster. Uh, they just uh, signed uh, Bassey yep. to a lo- to a four year deal for not a lot of money, but a four year deal. So we're going to see him a little bit more as they trade Jakob Pertl away. So it opens up a spot there. Zach Collins that they had signed to that two year deal. He's on the second in the second year of it right now. I'm not sure if they're going to keep him. If they do, it's going to be as a backup role because he just hasn't stepped up to be that point. But Bassey has been putting up huge numbers yeah, yeah. for the Austin Spurs. So you go, hey, mate, maybe this is another guy who can play for us for a while. No doubt. So there was a conversation between your guy, Jeremy Sohan. Uh, he he was asked a question, and he said— Not, not my guy. Not yeah, my guy. I know he's not. <laughs> he said, uh, we're a young group, so it's not always going to be perfect. Well, they went and talked to, to, to Pop, and Pop being Pop, yeah. he goes, yeah, they're young, and blah, blah, blah. But that young thing is really getting old. Um, <laughs> they need to start making some better plays, stop making the same mistakes, giving up in the middle, not blocking out, or not getting back in transition. You know, those sort of things. That part of the game is just unexcusable, uh, and youth has nothing to do with it. No, because that. that's effort. That's yeah. the one you think you're supposed to be the that's guy right. who wants to go out and do that. Yeah, that's one of those things of, you know, you have a problem on bad teams, and I think where Pop's saying that too is you're like, man, we don't want to be bad for long, right. so you need to not develop bad habits of thinking, hey, man, I'm the best player on the two in the court right now, so I don't got to run. You're like, no, 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 no. There no. is no best player on the court. Exactly. Because the best player on the court is probably wearing the other uniform. <laughs> so y'all need to start running. Y'all need to get out here and start getting after it because that is what we expect. The last time that they faced the Dallas Mavericks, they only played them one time, and the Mavericks won 126-125. to on December 31st, and Lucas scored 51 in that game. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm well, that was, I think, Pop said, uh, like, we're going to try and hold him under 100. Yeah, that was when he was coming <laughs> back. Because then he come, when that was after a 60-point game or something yeah. like that. No, he, and we're going to see Kyrie and Luca are going to light it up. I, I think this could be a very high-scoring game. Yep. Unless Jason Kidd taught the other Mavs during the All-Star break how to play defense. Uh, which did, probably <laughs> did not happen. Hey, guys, we got to make an adjustment because these two guys – they're not going to play defense. Maybe, maybe got Dwight Powell off. I know. Look, as <laughs> much as so handy, my guy, Dwight Powell's <laughs> My favorite player? Golly, that guy just really drives me nuts. And I don't even know why. I'm like, he's starting every single game. Maybe maybe it's the same thing with Serge Ibari Rice. People are like, ah, oh, Serge Ibari needs to start. And they're like, no, we're going to keep our chemistry the way that it is. We're going to sm- start Dwight Powell, but we won't let him play that much. Well, once Maxi Kleba comes back, that's going to change up the rotation a lot because yeah. he'll be playing a lot of those minutes. And then it'll be yeah. the question. I mean, I thought they were going to try and go after one of these guys in the buyout market, but apparently have not had much luck. I thought a guy like Kevin Love, and we know Kevin Love, is not the Kevin Love of old. Right. But, look, he can put his hands up and stand in the paint. Correct. And he's always been a good rebounder. He's got good rebounding instincts, and he can stretch a floor. He ends up going to Miami. I guess he wanted a beach after spending this many years in Cleveland. <laughs> the only reason I think you go to Miami, because I'm like, they already have Bam Adebayo. Right. So you ain't playing that much in really – I mean, I guess you say you play the four, but you're probably not going to play a lot there. He can probably play the four. I, I think Kevin Love still has a lot of basketball in him. I'm just surprised that he didn't want to go play in L.A. with LeBron. 
Yeah, because was, he was I so thought, nice to him. I thought, <laughs> I thought <laughs> L.A. would have been a place. I thought Dallas should have really heavily gone after him yep. just because you need bigs that can spread the court, and he is a big that can spread the court. Yeah, he can definitely and, shoot and the ball. And so, I mean, like, if you're going to bring in LaMarcus Aldridge for a workout, you might as well try and go get Kevin Love. That's right. all I'm saying. Right. If you're at that level, I don't know how many guys are left out there that can fill that role because, like, a guy, say DeAndre Jordan got bought out. DeAndre Jordan can't spread the court. No. So, I mean, there's not a lot you can put into that either. No doubt. No doubt. Let me ask you this, because this has been on my mind since the day that it happened. Does this create, in the West, when Kevin Durant went out there, and remember, John Morant was somebody that kept talking about the fact he's, he's good in the West. He don't have to worry about the West. Well, the West now has gotten a lot better. There's a lot better players that are in there. And there's better intensity that is going to be in that league. You look at what L.A. is, the Clippers. You look at how good they are. I don't know what the Russ experiment is going to be like. I don't know how people are going to handle uh, it's that. Gonna be, hey, man, I, it's going to make it for weird viewing. Yeah. <laughs> because that is, I mean, like, I always love they're like, this guy's going to, he's going to come in and help us. Like, no, no, Russ is going to not pass the ball. And you're going to be sitting there with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard being like, did that dude really just drive the basket and miss a layup? Right. Again? And, I mean, like, he didn't even look. He didn't even look to see if we were open. Right. He just drove the basket. Yeah, just slashing and trying I mean, to get his triple said, doubles. You you said, I, you want to be like me. And I'm like, no, no, we want Russ. We want Russ Light. Yeah, we, yeah, we want you to look around and see what we have here and use this to your ability because you can get the assist. You can get everything that you want. You just got to make sure that you get those passes to the right people and not try to make it yourself the entire time. Yeah. And I agree with that. But you look at what the um, Phoenix Suns have done by bringing in uh, Kevin Durant. My thought was when that happened that this was Chris Paul's best opportunity. No matter what has gone on prior to this and how he's come up short, you now have Kevin Durant on your team along with Devin Booker with also DeAndre Ayton in the middle. This is your best opportunity, and this may be your final opportunity. I also look at it for for Kevin Durant. This is another chance for him to go somewhere and not have to be the guy and still be the guy. Does this give them enough to compete for the championship? Because KD will play some defense. He'll go get some rebounds. Oh, no, he's actually a good good rim protector right? because he's so long. He's a seven-footer. He's long. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I think he'll be able to play in there. The question is going to be, are they going to be able to function with one basketball? Where Chris Paul is going to be the distributor. Is Devin Booker getting it enough? Is Kevin Durant getting it enough? Is DeAndre Ayton getting it enough? Are you able to put it there? And then you're worried about depth because you go, okay, you know, for guys, for availability of injuries throughout the rest of the season, right. for, you know, when guys get in foul trouble, when you give up Mikel Bridges and you give up a couple other pieces there, You've lost a lot of that depth. Now, they haven't gone super hard into the buyout market. Right. Where that's normally where you replenish depth, but I think they still, there's a few guys they can put into that that are still out there. That, I think, is the biggest question because right now they, they look like they should be fine. Right. Like they should be competing. Now, I don't know if that still puts them better than Denver, Cause but the, it definitely puts them better than where they were at. Okay. So if you had to pick a team right now to say that they would be representing the West in this in this uh, championship, who would you put it on right now? If you just had to say blindly, this is who I'm going with. Denver. 
And I mean, it's until they don't do it. And like if Jamal Murray disappears in the playoffs again, then yeah, it's anybody's game. And we'll know that in the first round. Yeah. If Jamal Murray's not going to step up. But if Jamal Murray plays like he can play and you have Jokic, who is still putting up the best, is the best player in the NBA right now. It's just a hard team to beat, and they got a lot of supporting acts around them, a lot of guys who can shoot threes around them. So it's going to be difficult for anybody to come out and be able to beat this Denver team in a seven-game series that doesn't have you know insane performances where you know you can say, well, Phoenix, if Devin Booker goes off for forty in two games, and Kevin Durant goes off for forty in two games, and that's still with everybody else having their twenty and thirty and whatever else. Then yeah, Phoenix can, but until Denver shows that they can't, right. that that's the team. Okay, so let me ask you this: Who you see coming out of the East? Well, let me back that up. Do you give John Morant and his squad because they are walking around like they are like they've already won championships before? They they are, yeah. and they should have traded Dylan Brooks. I know he's the he's a guy he does not work in that offense. Yeah, and he kind of puts a target on everyone's back there. Agreed. Uh, so John Morant can talk all the trash, and people are just like, yeah, that's John Morant, is whatever. Dylan Brooks is the guy, I mean, he's already starting fights in tonight's game. Exactly. We have been out of the All-Star break <laughs> for eight minutes, and he's already starting fights by hitting J- uh, James Harden in the face. Right. So, I like, I, you, I get you want the intensity, but there's a line between it, and he passed it last season because yep. he started to get a little bit more recognition. And so now that's his whole game, is I'm going to get in your head. Yeah. And that tends to backfire against stars. It works against other players. But when you start talking about the best and the best in the playoffs, hey, man, you're doing that. Yeah, man, all right, well, I'm going to go talk to the refs. The refs going to look, see my side of it because I'm the star. And all of a sudden you're going to pick up those three fouls real quick. And you've got to go sit on the bench. So I I just think – and then Jaron Jackson is foul prone that there is too many games that can get away from this Memphis team. That they're a good team, but there's too many games that can get away because they get in their own way. And John Moran is one hard foul away – from being off the court. Yeah. Because he's so he too is a, a slimmer type of player. His explosiveness is one thing, but if somebody catches him at the right time and they both go up and he lands wrong, I'm not saying that's what they're gonna do, but back in the day that's what they would have did for no, sure. But I mean if you put Jaron Jackson and, and Dylan Brooks in foul trouble and all you gotta do is try and ball tonight John <clears throat> Morant and just play him tough. Right. Uh, you know, you get away with a little bit more of bumping and everything else in the playoffs. I, I don't know. I think that it, it's going to be harder for him to get to that finals and beat a Denver team where you're going up into the paint all the time and you're playing against a really good team or you're going up against Phoenix and they're just veteran guys. Yeah, I just don't see them beating those two teams. Yeah, I don't think so either. But it's going to be fun. We're going to be heading down the stretch here. Oh, and don't forget, Sacramento's going to beat everybody. They're, they're world beaters this year. Dang, I love the <laughs> fact. because three I, seed in the West. Because I love uh, Fox, man, the way he's been oh. playing, and he he's taking that extra step. And shout out to Mike Brown. Mike Brown Mike took Brown that team. Mike hell of a job out there. And, and he's got that opportunity, and he's making the most of it. So I've been very impressed with what Sac- Sacramento's been doing. But come on, man. It's still Sacramento. Everybody's coming I after know. them. But I do, like, I do like what they've been doing. And De'Aaron Fox has got that mindset that he accepts the challenge, and he's bringing everybody else along with him. Isn't Buddy Hill over there lighting him up too? Buddy Hill's in Indiana. Oh, he, he went is to not Indy. a fan of Sacramento. That's a good point. That's a good point. When we come back, we're going to tell you what's on tap and let you know what you can look for tonight on the horn. Pop a top again. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash? 
huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I've been known to drink a beer or two. I think a man working outdoors feels more like a man if you can have a bottle of suds. It's only my opinion, sir. I got beer. I got bottled breast milk. Eh, why don't we start with the beer? Okay. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Wait, it's already 5 o'clock here. It's time for What's on Tap. How about a nice cool drink? That's oh, really man, good. That's good. That's... That is... I want to thank my man Patrick Davis for doing a great job today, as always. And we're going to let you know what's on tap before we get out of here. Coming up next, we got Longhorn Weekly with Rodney Terry right here on the horn. Leave Brock Cunningham the guest. Brock Cunningham is the guest with that with Craig Way and Rodney Terry. Also, Longhorn Blitz Podcast replay will be next. After that, it'll be Jeff Howe, Rob Babers, and Matt. Uh, Butler. I will be out tomorrow. I'll be at the Dale Diamond working the Carbock Round Rock Classic. Great baseball is going to be there. But you can also listen to my man Craig Way tomorrow night as the Texas Longhorns take on the Indiana Hoosiers right there at the dish. To my, for my man Patrick, my man Chip Brown, who did a great job today. My vacationing brother, real brief vacation. He'll be back tomorrow. Rob Babers, it's your boy Harbaugh Harge. And just remember this, don't believe everything you see because even salt looks like sugar. Peace. Peace.